0: The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network.
1: You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash and I like to think that we are all flawed, but we are also fucking fabulous. Welcome to episode four. Hello, Miss Courtney. Good
0: morning. (laughs) This is the episode everyone's been waiting for. I know.
1: We have a special guest with us today. Welcome, Eden. Oh, speaking before spoken to. Shot the gun. Straight
2: in. Straight in. He's
1: ready to roll. He's got his coffee. He's good to go. So who is Eden? Eden is my lover. (laughs) Eden (laughs) is my partner. Um, And um, yeah, I don't really know (laughs) how else to explain Eden. And how long have you guys been together? Um, we have been together for just
0: over two years yep. and we're going to get into that today. Yes. Right? How you
1: met, that whole thing, Eden's story. Yeah. And this is gonna be a two-parter. Two-parter, yes. And I am kind of handing the reins over to Miss Cultener for this one. Yeah, she great. is going to treat us <laughs> both as guests so we stay on point because what is um our story that we know? We might skim over things and not really um spend enough time on it or even answer it because we're just so used to it. So if we're doing it, we're doing it properly. Hopefully I can be like Oprah and not like Jerry Springer. Yeah. That's hopefully the direction. Maury. That we're Bring out the DNA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're going to start with our angel cards. So yes. Ash has decided that Eden and I will do our angel cards mm-hmm. today for this part. So we're obviously recording these two parts on the same day yes. for you. And then you will do yours in the second part. Is that yeah, right? That is correct. All right. So I've already prepared mine okay. earlier. Mine is the ocean. Oh, this is your card that you <laughs> always sea so The deep blue, blue sea speaks to your soul healing and soothing you, even the act of imagination. Sorry, why do I read ever? <laughs> even the act of imagining yourself dipping into these healing womb brings about desirable effects. Better yet, spend time physically near the ocean, allow its power and beauty to wash away all cares and concerns.
1: This card comes to you because of your connection with the ocean. It's a sign that you need to spend more time near the sea, perhaps during a vacation or as a home base. The angels will help with this endeavour if you ask and allow them to. The ocean air and water inspires and heals you. Additional meanings for this card. Take sea salt baths to detoxify. Drink more water. Connect with dolphins and other sea dwellers. You have an ocean-related past life. Learn a water sport such as diving, sailing or snorkeling. Maybe we can synchronise swimming together. That sounds great. Go <laughs> yeah,
2: diving with the dolphins.
0: It's not
1: really the greatest time to be in the water
0: right now. It's a little cold.
1: Yeah. and But you have been actually spending a little while. I have noticed that you have been visiting the ocean when you have felt some sort of emotion yeah. going on and going there. So I've Definitely.
0: I've always found water to be like quite healing, like even when you want to get in the shower just after yeah, a long cleansing. day. Yeah, exactly. But um, I've... But quick story. Yeah, my whole thing is like I really love doing the whole by the beach pool holiday yes. kind of thing. That's the kind of exactly. I mean, with skincare, it's with skin cancer. Not the ideal situation, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's what the kind of holiday I prefer rather than like city shopping, like yeah, that kind of thing. Like, I like that relaxed. You've got do a nothing. hustle
1: and bustle life, so yeah. whereas
0: the people that I travel with want to be like. In Sydney, in Melbourne, in New York, yeah. in Las Vegas, like they always want to do these. Like, And I'm like, I want to go to Noosa really badly. <laughs> like that's what I
1: want. That's my best friend, Courtney. That's her dream location <laughs> too. We're yeah. always yeah. like, we're going on a fucking plane, Courtney. We're leaving the country. Like, we're not driving to, go to, to, go to Noosa, Noosa for a holiday.
0: <laughs> um, And so I've been like for years and, years and years and years and years. And like, can we go here? Can we go there? Like all these relaxing places. My family, we always end up in like New York or Vegas or whatever. Um, And we were supposed to go to Europe. During COVID, yes. it's obviously been cancelled. But because that's been cancelled, so instead for New Year's Eve we're going to Hamilton Island. Oh, I just got booked last yay. week, so that's I'm getting, getting love to the beach, Hamilton guys.
1: Island, it's so no. good up
0: there. So I'm getting that holiday that I wanted. There so it's you funny. Go. It's like you need life. a holiday. You love the buggy I life, do honestly. love a
1: buggy life. <laughs> love that. All right, Eden, you'd up. be good on a buggy with your golfing career too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love a buggy.
2: Blessing in disguise. Ooh. What appears to be a problem is actually part of your answered prayer you'll understand the reasons behind your present situation as everything resolves trust in heaven's protection and infinite wisdom to answer your prayer in the best way
1: the angel sent you this card to help you recognize the blessing in the midst of an apparent challenge mm, what you've been
2: interesting <laughs> you guys what? sound so professional i feel a little bit like a dud I've <laughs> even started
1: It's your first first day. Don't be so hard on yourself. What you've appeared to have lost needed to fall away and will be replaced with something better. Have no fear for your future but continue praying and following the guidance that comes to you through repetitive feelings, thoughts, visions and words. Additional meanings for this card. One door closes, another one opens. The how is up to God with respect to the best way to answer prayers. Release the need to control and predict the outcome of this situation. Trust. You've had that kind before. Mm. How does that resonate with you?
2: It feels a little bit uh like it's something I'm about to do. The challenge (laughs) I've got ahead of me right here, I suppose. Feel a bit nervous, so maybe that's it.
1: Oh, we'll go easy on you. (laughs) Don't worry. Once he gets going, won't be able to (laughs) shut him up.
0: (laughs) All right, so I guess we obviously need to hear Eden's story first and then we can talk about you combined. Yes. I felt like yep. it was like Captain Planet then, like your powers <laughs> combined. combined. Water, wind. Yeah. So, Eden, tell us about your story, your past and um, who came to this place.
2: I was born on the beach at Burley and <laughs> no, I um, – well, in regards to my life story, I suppose I grew up, went to Marymount and um, – have always, always lived on the Gold Coast, born and bred on the Gold Coast. Um, around the age of uh, 20, I met Jess. Um, we uh, obviously got together, uh, married in uh, 2013. Um, Jess was diagnosed with cervical cancer in, in 14, 2014, mid year, uh, about July. Um she was recommended to have surgery at that time, and we sort of put it off for a little while just for different reasons uh for herself um we then uh she then had the surgery and um was was had a her six monthly checkup and everything was
1: how old was easton at this time
2: Easton was born in on the first of the first two thousand and fourteen um easton actually was born very premature. He came uh, at, well, at 22 weeks. Jess was rushed from Pindara Hospital up to uh, the Brisbane Martyr Mothers um, and at 25 weeks he decided to come out a little bit early and a little bit scary. Come out like a little alien sort of thing, that'll look like a little alien. <laughs>
1: So uh, they all come little, out looking like that? Some chubbier than others.
2: But he was tiny. He was only seven hundred grams. Like he wow. was, a, he was a tiny little boy. Lucky to be alive. Uh, resuscitated at birth, and uh, in intensive care for about three days. And then he just uh, every day just went leaps and bounds and, and just days. got stronger. Intensive care. Intensive. Oh, sorry. In uh, on a on the uh, breathing. Intensive care for four months. Sorry, so yeah. on the uh, what's the breathing thing called? Like the CPAP. Nah, like the hmm. full-on life support. Okay. Uh, he was on that for three days, and he went on to d- uh, different breathing devices, and then he come actually come home from hospital uh, on oxygen. and was on oxygen for eight months, so he was that little baby with the things hanging out of his nose, looking a little bit weird. So people would always ask questions when you took him out in his pram because he had the the oxygen thing up under his nose. Uh, But he just, he just grew stronger and stronger each day and and developed into a perfectly fine little boy. Um, Luckily, luckily because there's lots of babies around us with the same sort of uh, scenario that we're passing away. We'd come in the morning and different babies in the ICU that you might meet the parents the night before and then you come in the next day and the parents are gone and you're like, where are they gone? And the baby had passed away overnight. So Pretty tough time, pretty pretty tragic sort of time to a place to be hanging around. Not very nice. So
0: it was about six months later. Jess was then.
2: Yeah, about six months later, she was was first diagnosed. She just had an abnormal pap smear and and.
0: Did she have any other symptoms, or was it was just a regular pap smear? No, she would
2: had an irregular one before, and they did like a let's procedure, which was just the lasering of the cervix or, or scraping of the cervix. Um, had a lot of trouble falling pregnant with Easton. He was an IVF baby baby. Uh, So she originally fell pregnant in the earlier days. We had a termination and then after the termination she couldn't fall pregnant again. She had the word I've heard you say before in in other podcasts is endometriosis. That's the word. Um, That's the word. Yeah. So she had heaps of procedures to try and rectify uh, that so that she could fall pregnant naturally and uh, it just didn't happen. So after trying for about 18 months, we decided to give IVF a go and um, the first go of IVF, she fell pregnant. So very lucky there. Um, so lucky in some things and unlucky in others.
0: So what happens? So six, she goes to the doctors, they say there's they, some abnormalities. Yeah, tell abnormalities. Us, us and
2: they, uh, so the, they do a biopsy. Biopsy comes back as, as a squamous carcinoma, which is, is a cancer um and said that she needed a full uh, hysterectomy and um that was basically the end of her fertility life and and that was probably the biggest shock to her the cancer thing at that stage wasn't really that big it was more the probably the fertility thing we didn't realize how um
0: how serious the cancer yeah, was. Yeah, how
2: serious the cancer was, even though it was only primary at that, that stage. So, Did
0: it have a stage? Was it like a stage two well, or It would have been
2: like the, the earliest of stages you can get. Okay. And the doctors said, you know, it's, it's 80 90% um, success rate with cervical cancer. It's not something that generally kills people.
0: So it was more just like let's get yeah. everything out so that yep. we're preventing any further stages happening. Yeah,
2: and in, when, when we started going through the, that part of it um, – he said there was a procedure called a trachelectomy where they, I won't go into full detail, we don't need a surgical <laughs> details. But
1: Let's can, bring on the doctor. Yeah. Dr. Eden.
2: Basically remove the cervix, womb start, is it the, uh, yeah, I, anyway. they—they. They we should so. know
1: but I don't know my inside parts very well <laughs> yeah. so whatever you say I'm is really correct. Instead of so
2: removing everything, the uterus, that's it. So they attach something to the uterus and then the cervix is gone but you can still manage to carry a baby. Okay. So he said that would be fine. We can do that, and um, we she proceeded to get that surgery done. Had the surgery done, and and as you know, when they when they do surgery, they want certain margins. He was a little bit concerned about the margins f- around the bladder, um, just saying that he couldn't get as close or he got as close as he could to the back bladder without
1: affecting going the into bladder. It. Yeah.
2: So surgery was done. Life was back to normal. Easton was was had come off his oxygen. We were uh, getting our life back on track.
0: And there was and no further treatment or anything around that. It was no, just they like-
2: recommend. all oh, they said you can have radiation, um, but the chances of coming of, of the cancer coming back were ten percent, and if you had the radiation, it would only it'd go to five percent. We're like, radiation so invasive that we thought
0: the sake of 5%. Yeah, yeah. for the
2: sake of 5% it's not worth it at that age. Um, at that age she would have been 24, oh, 24, 25. Mm. So then um, we we're away on a holiday actually at Rainbow Beach and uh, she had a six-month checkup coming up and she, she'd had a lot of back pain.
0: So towards the end of 2014
2: now? Yeah, no, we're into 15 now. Where the, the surgery was done late 14. Okay. And then the, the checkup was around July 15, 2015, July. Um, and then she, she basically had a checkup, and, and he just said, It's back. It's, it's back um, exactly the same. Uh, the tumor was in the same position.
1: Is it bigger or was it?
2: Um, he just said it was about back. about the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, she didn't have a biopsy done. She had a PET scan done, and it showed it was still in that contained into that one position. Still diagnosed by the radiologist as stage two. Okay. And because of uh, Jess's dad had had cancer for for seven or eight years, and he'd been through the, the public system here, and we sort of looked. Outside of the what Australia had to offer and we went, right, well let's go let's go bigger and stronger and let's look overseas. So What
0: were the doctors here recommending?
2: Really, we didn't even really let them. We okay. didn't even really get They did recommend
1: rec- surgery though.
2: Not again. Surgery was not an option the second time. Right. Uh the second time surgery couldn't be done. So once they say, you know, as you know, the best thing for cancer is surgery primary. Um and then the other treatments follow, so it was, gonna be, it was just going to be. And
1: did they recommend treatment other than radiation?
2: The first time? No, the second time, second time, second time, no, they never, they never recommended chemo. Or but did they was, say
0: there was like nothing? Were they saying like there's nothing we can do? That's why you. No, no, they were
2: just saying. Um, they would the, the, the recommendation was was high high amounts of chemo. They didn't make, recommend radiation. This was the first time we're like, well, let's have a look at what else is out there. Got in touch with a doctor in in Melbourne, and he highly recommended this um, clinic in China, and got us in touch with different people that had been there and have been, you know, survivors of of cancer from there, and quite um, terminal stuff as well, terminal cancers and stuff that, and, and those people had returned home. and
1: Sorry, had, just quickly, was that the second diagnosis? Was that given as terminal? No, no.
2: No, just a – just, just to, it would just come back. That was it would just it. come back. Yeah.
0: So basically, to wrap that up, so you basically, they said to you, like, it's back. Yep. Surgery is now not an option. You can do high doses of chemo. And you thought, mm, let's look outside Australia and see what yeah. other advances in technology yeah, there are.
2: That's right. Okay. Yeah. Was that
0: you or was that Jess?
2: Probably a mix between me and Jess's mum and her sister and Jess. What
0: was it about it here that made you feel like you had to? that you wanted to look
1: outside of Australia?
2: Probably just... um, Jess's
1: dad had received treatment in Mexico.
2: Yeah, he'd received really good treatment in Mexico. He lived there for six months. And uh, that was at the start of his um, prostate cancer and he lived for another eight years. Okay. So they'd already been, uh, you know, they'd already experienced it with a a very close family member. So that was probably the main reason. Like a
1: more holistic approach can have its benefits.
2: And it wasn't that, you know... We we're against. Well, they—they they, her family was very against the that invasive uh, treatment here in Australia. Um, but you know, hindsight's a wonderful aggressive. thing. Yeah, so we went across. We, we decided we were talking to the doctor in Melbourne. Uh, we did a lot of research and spoke to a lot of different people that had been there, and then we spoke to, to other clinics in Germany, and we ended up deciding to go to China to this clinic. And um, the treatments there were still chemo, but it was low dose chemo. Um, they did other forms of chemo that went into straight into the tumor, so through an artery. A um, couple other ones called. Uh, I think one was like a like a. I can't remember the exact names of of what they were there. Um,
1: and how long were you in China for?
2: We did two months there.
1: And this isn't in like the city of China. This no. is rural China. Okay. No one speaks a word of English.
2: No. Wow. No, there's no, there's not even any. Uh, and you Western took there. there as yeah, well. Yeah, Easton was there. It was me, me her, and Easton.
1: Was this an
0: expensive thing to do?
2: Uh, it wasn't cheap. It was. It was definitely. Um, it wasn't like it was expensive. I think initially it was about eighty thousand. Um,
1: For the two months.
2: For well, the two months in total, yeah. Yep. Um, Did you know it was
0: going to be two months when you went there? Was it like we're making nah, up
2: was, our lives a, to go? It was a go there and see what happens. It was never okay. there was never a time put on anything. They just said come and and uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: In it your mind, a, were you anticipating it being that long?
2: Oh, I think. We were definitely anticipating it to be that long. So if you not felt like longer. when you left here, yeah. you were like
0: picking up and moving somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I think just with just the like research
2: trip- we'd done with the people that had come back, it was probably more like a six month thing. Okay. Uh, a week on, week off treatment, and then with breaks. So when you have a break, you might. On our breaks, we were going to Hong Kong, and what's the other place we went to? Uh, Shenzhen. We went to Shenzhen. Was I'm she
0: getting be- sick from the treatment, or she was? Like, not really?
2: She, oh, she she did on on different occasions. She got sick. Uh, some crazy fevers and stuff, and she definitely uh, responded reasonably well to the treatment. Uh, it didn't really affect her too much. She had quite a quite a high tolerance to, um, which, following on from that, once she started getting on the pharmaceutical drugs and stuff, she had a very t- high tolerance to to intake of drugs. So she was pretty good um, off the painkillers and stuff most of the time in China. The six weeks of treatment, and they did a scan and, and said everything had progressed. Nothing had worked at all. Nothing had um,
0: was this in ha- China. You did this. Mm.
2: Hadn't even sus- hadn't even kept it at bay. It it had all progressed, uh, and they then said to say that there was a, a spot on her lungs, and we were like, like wow, what the fuck? Um, and he was saying know the Chinese doctor was saying you're under diagnosed before you left I feel like you were stage four before you left when they told us we were stage two and that's what the report said we had the report to read it from the radiologist whether they were right or wrong I suppose it didn't really matter at that time we just sort of had to figure out what we were going to do um, I did mention coming back to Australia and Jess was just like it's not an option like let's Let's look elsewhere. So the doctors I'd spoken to in, in Germany previously, we got in touch with them um, and it was different treatments there. It was like a, they put you in a, a heated, I'm trying to think of the exact um, treatment. But anyway, so we we're, were at six weeks there in China and we, we decided that we'd done enough there. It took us two weeks to get organized to get out uh, and organize a clinic in um, Germany. His name was Dr. Herzog, and we jumped on a plane and flew into Frankfurt. Me, Easton, um, Jess, and her sister was with us at that time, Sasha. And uh, we arrived in Frankfurt, and it was. Um, would have been about. We left in so September, so it must have been about November. It was freezing. We got there. It was almost like snow. It was really cold there. It was. And they were getting ready to go into Christmas, and it was all beautiful, like it was all lit up. It was a really nice little spot to be around that time of year. Home we got to the new day. clinic, and um, the clinic in China was a hospital, so we lived in the hospital. Okay. And that was, you know, it's very, uh, very, you know, I suppose, depressing to be, to be waking up in a hospital every day. And it was just this. This clinic had just had a whole level of the hospital, so there's all other levels of the hospital. So even going down and out of the hospital, you were you know it was like you know it was wasn't very nice when we got to um germany it was it was a house a massive mansion like clinic um like a big eight story clinic it was completely different uh the treatment rooms were still within the within the um building but it was just a lot lot different feels a lot more comfortable and we got there and they did a lot of IVs uh high vitamin c and high a lot of different vitamins uh really high doses of that uh for immune building but they still did a low dose chemo but they they heated your body up prior to the um chemo and what it was used what they thought they think it did was made the tumor susceptible to the chemo a lot a lot more and it seemed to work by the time we'd left the two weeks from leaving china to go to germany the her pain had picked back up, so after a couple of weeks of treatment, there we sort of felt like it was working. She was uh, feeling a lot better. pain was was definitely reducing, and after about four weeks, he did it. He did a scan, and he's he said that um, he was really happy. Everything had reduced. Seemed like there was no spot on the lung anymore. He couldn't. There was there was it's a different sort of scanning to what we do here. Like it was more of. You know, the PET scans are so intense here and yeah. they're so detailed. Whereas there they were sort of a bit more vague. Oh, black really? and white. You know, not didn't look real. Um, I don't know, real professional, I suppose, but that's what they used.
1: In Germany. Mm. That's surprising. Mm. How long were you in Germany for?
2: All up I was in Germany for two months as well. Um at Christmas we did Christmas there it was, it was so we she continued on a treatment there and from the scans that she was having there it was working and from the way she was feeling and the no pain and and, and because of uh, a tumor being her tumor being where it was it was right at the root ball of her nerves on her back so she sort of knew we she sort of knew if it was working or not.
0: I mean PET scans here I know can pick up up to four millimeters so mm. it's like Tiny, but I guess if it's not as detailed, it no. doesn't see it, I guess. Mm.
2: No, they were going off uh, uh experienced people with pretty much just an x ray, really. Or yeah. maybe it was a CT scan. I can't remember the exact. Probably a, C. Mm. a CT scan. So um, we continued on with the treatment there. Everything was going really well. Um, she was feeling great. My family came over and we went down to. Um, montreal in switzerland for christmas it was really nice we spent a week there and at the end of that week um her pain's back in her back after not having any pain for about six weeks she's got the last sort of couple of days the pain was back in her back and when, when the pain comes she's in bed she can't move it's really bad it's not like i'm in pain and she's still living she basically goes capacitated she can't really do much at all uh, which is, you know, it's it's full on. It's full, it, was, it was very full on to watch and you just felt sick yourself. As soon as you seen a pain back, you just knew that it was something wasn't right. And prior to going to to, to Switzerland, we've been told, you know, you're pretty well good to go home. Most of the people that were in this clinic would go home and come back sort of once a month, sorry, once a year for a month or two and have a top-up of treatments. And that was sort of the lifestyle that, the doctor had explained to us that she was going to, we were going to have to have for her to to to, to stay alive. Really, although it's um, the tumours are reduced, we were sort of told that you know you've got to keep on top of it. It's a top up treatment once a year, whether it's two months or whatever, however long it may have been. So we we're prepared for that. And when we got back from from um, Switzerland, he's like, well, we'd already prepared to go home prior to going to Switzerland. Sorry, my story's just going around backwards and forwards and all over the place. So <laughs> I probably should add a timeline here with a whiteboard.
1: No, mm. it's all right.
2: Um, oh, we're following along. Dealing with the pros, a bit hard. It's actually weird <laughs> sitting here because I've listened to it for so much. Yeah. And then now to be sitting here is very different. Eden has
1: listened to the podcast. and judging He's us supportive all these episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely Judge Judy like you like would have a bit to say. You
2: don't, you don't like the sound of your own voice, but then I talk a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the only one talking. <laughs>
1: We're listening.
2: Yeah. So we'd planned to go home prior to going to Switzerland and when we got back she's in heaps of pain and we're like, this is fucked basically, you know, like we're leaving here. We've been away from home for four months. We're going back to a. How did Eastern go
1: during all of this, like travelling, being in and out of different hospitals? He's,
2: he just brought um, life to everywhere we were. You no, know, everyone was so depressed and everyone see his face and just be so happy. Yeah, because
1: no. I'm assuming there wouldn't be too many kids around.
2: No, no, there was none. No kids around, so he'd been life like in China. He'd have the nurses just um, hanging out, with the nurses all day, pushing him around on their on their little trolleys. And then when we got to Germany, was there was a big uh, a big kitchen where we all used to eat, and he'd just been with the chefs and. Everyone'd be loving him as well. You know. Majority He's of the so people so cultured. Are lo- Look
1: at this mm. kid. <laughs> All these <laughs> Got places. a passport even yeah. Yeah.
2: Majority of the people are a little bit older as well. You know, yeah. like the date, ra- the the age range was sort of forty to seventy. There was no one really younger than that at any of these clinics.
0: Yeah, I know what that's like. You go there and it's like, mm. wow, everyone's retired. Yeah. yeah. I and a lot of great stories. Here. You yeah. meet
2: a lot of great people along the way, and a lot of people that. In Germany, a lot of the um, diseases there were, what's the one from ticks? Limes. Limes. And that was his big thing to cure Lyme's disease.
1: Think you, Um, the real house mm,
2: (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, you'd you'd meet interesting people and made friends with a lot of different people around the world and Easton was, yeah, he, he just brought massive life to everywhere he went. Everyone was so happy to see him. Every morning they'd be waiting for him down in the breakfast room like here he comes or or dinner time.
1: So what date are we at now? We're leaving we're, Switzerland, we're coming yeah, so back to So in between Australia.
2: Christmas and New Year's Eve and we had New Year's Eve there. Easton had his birthday there. He had his second birthday in the German clinic and that was like a big party for everyone. They loved it. Um, Germany was great for me. I just hung out most of my time at the pub of an afternoon. I'll be <laughs> ducking down there and having these Christmas Dunkel beers, they call it. It's like a black beer, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Uh in, while Fruit I was in sausages Germany yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, sausages schnitz- I love oh, yeah I love the sausages. <laughs> while I was in Germany, a good friend of mine, his partner had had fallen um she'd been diagnosed with cervical cancer as well, and he messaged me and he came over. So my last three or four weeks while I was there, I had a friend there, one of my good friends that I'd grown up with, so that was pretty cool. Good for us. went and hired a nice Mercedes wagon for about six weeks, and we were just cruising around there me him and Easton while the girls are getting treatment. I got a bit of treatment myself. I was getting the IVs, the vitamins and stuff.
1: <laughs> well, while we're here, hook yeah. us so, up. up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> why not? So we come back. It was New Year's and we would planned to come back on the 4th of January. It cost us an absolute fortune to get back. That, that um, How
1: much was Switzerland?
2: Oh, was well, Germany, the treatment. No, yeah, sorry, Germany. Around 80 as well we spent there. By the time we got back on the, at that, through that journey, it's about $160 we would spent um, and got nowhere.
1: In a six-month period or less than that, four-month four, four four period. Yeah. And it had progressed.
2: And progressed, yeah. Uh, we got home and within a day or two of coming home, her whole body's just crashed. She's, she's completely – she needed blood transfusions. She needed everything. She went straight into ICU. All the treatments she'd had had caught up with her and just completely um, – Completely wrecked her, I suppose, would be the best word. And she was lucky to, to to stay alive through that. She had two days of really, really close. She had to have platelets and uh, two or three blood transfusion. Her body just wouldn't reproduce any of the, the vital things that she needed to stay alive. But she did. She She kicked back through and came out the other side okay. And then from there till – from January till sort of – May was just the most uh traumatizing time of my life I've ever had because she just there was no chance of treatment because she was so sick from the pain and then the pain medication and in and out of hospital she'd go in for a week out for a week in for two weeks she just there was no uh no chance she could have treatment cuz she was just too sick
0: the body was too fragile to but handle it body was too fragile she lost all the
2: weight. Um, she just, yeah, she's just deteriorating in front of us really. At
0: that point are the doctors saying to Do you, you need to prepare for the worst here or are they saying we can fix Not it? Really. Not really.
2: Okay. Not really. Um, It was just like this hospital cycle where she was in and out, in and out. Um, Then they recommended to have radiation to reduce the tumour. It wouldn't cure it but reduce it to help with the pain so that she, she maybe could have other treatments. So she had the radiation done. Must have been about May, but that so we, that's four or five months of just nothing just just deteriorating and, and at home, you know which was obviously better than being away. but between home and hospital, just sick, a lot of pain. Then they were um, you
1: working at this time were you not, Jess's no. sole carer.
2: Yeah, I was sole carer no working at that time. Um, I had a lot of support from her mum, my family. My sister in law, my brother, um, so that was great. Her sister as well was really good through it all. She was she was a massive massive uh, support. And then the, the, her sister and her mum were still searching treatment overseas, and they found a, a doctor in in Mexico who did um, I think they called it ablation, which was immunotherapies uh, directly injected into the tumor, and they started to to try and get her ready to go there. And I'm thinking, fuck, how can she fly? How could she actually make it anywhere or get anywhere?
0: At this point, are you kind of sceptical of these more holistic approaches Mm -hmm. because of it growing over that period and the other places not working? Or were you still like, yeah, this could be it? I
2: was probably in two minds. It's probably one thing. One mind was saying, look, they're not offering any treatment here in Australia at all what else can we do? I have to give it a try. In the other mind I was sort of like, well, I think she's had enough. I think she's done. I think she just – because she'd consumed so many uh, painkillers that she ended up being on a driver. So the driver was a little little pack she carried around that just permanently pumped morphine into her arm. And we had like um, the nurse come around every second day and change the driver and – she, that was like she was just like off – like that was probably a, not a bad time for us because she was off her head and, and could live and move around and still be normal, but she was just – Not
1: her normal self. No, she but, wasn't her normal self, yeah. but
2: she could get out of bed and, and do a normal day. But she wasn't well. So that's why I was thinking, fuck, what, where are we at? What are we doing? Um, but, look, I ended up agreeing with him and saying, yeah, let's look into the Mexican treatment. It sounds really good. So it's Americans practicing in, in, in Mexico because they're not allowed to practice what they're doing in America. And off she went and um, she left in, she must have left early May. No, nah, it must have been late May. Late May. Of 2016. Of 2016, yeah. She uh, packed up and off she went with her sister and her mum to to Mexico. And...
1: You chose
0: not to go?
2: I chose not to go. I thought me and Easton will stay home. Um, sorry, her mum didn't go. Her, her and her sister went. Um,
0: was that better for Easton or you needed to start getting a job, and making money, What was um, that decision?
2: I'm not sure. I can't remember how we made that decision. Um, I'm not too sure. I can't remember what the exact reason. Had Easton
1: started kindy or
2: anything Yeah, at this Easton point? was in kindy at that stage and, and – just probably, yeah. I think we were thinking it was the saving grace, maybe. I don't know. This was going to go and have this treatment and be fine and come back, or we didn't really know. And I, Jess was just so out of it by that time that I, once she left, I didn't really talk to her again at all. I just only spoke to Sasha. The sister? Yeah. Um, Jess was just pretty well. Once she got there, she was just completely out of it because the Australian, the driver they had here they couldn't use there so they just, just put her on a drip of, of basically like the same as when you go see someone here in hospital that's passing away from cancer, they're just smacked out on morphine. so
1: Like comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. But not really with it.
2: No, not with it. And, you know, our wedding anniversary went by while she was there and I was trying to get in touch with them and, you know, she didn't even realise was it. You know, things like that which normally she'd be over the moon about, like just she was just smacked out, didn't didn't have any idea. Or comfortable, you would like to say is the word. Yeah. Smacked out. <laughs> Sounds a bit better. Smacked out doesn't sound real good, does it?
1: But it's you it's know so high big. dosage drugs. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: it's you know, it's basically to put you to sleep, sort of thing. But she was still having treatment there and mixed communication there, very miscommunication from a sister that um she well, was Well, I think her
1: sister was really from what you have said that yeah, Sasha was very hopeful mm. and very positive that it was working. Yeah. That she was somewhat getting better.
2: Yeah, but I, I don't think the reality was that it was.
1: She were the was get-
0: doctors telling that to
1: Sasha? Were their tests proving yeah. that?
0: Or
2: well, she, when she initially got there, she had a severed bowel from the radiation here, and and that was, you know, they were like, that you know that kills people. If she stayed here and they didn't pick it up, she would have died a lot quicker. But um, they were sort of saying that it was working, but then. She just the body was just like I'm trying to think of the the wording is when you start filling up with fluid, exact wording I can't think of it. But as like her body was shutting down, the treatment may have been reducing the tumours, but her body itself was too far gone, she
1: started to swell up.
2: Yeah, starting to get fluid, fluid retention, retain. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm like I need to know what the word yeah, is. Yeah, like now. she she go massive. She the whole her feet would fill up and she'd be full of fluid and stuff, and then um, I think that's
0: I feel like both. My uncle's who died of cancer. That's exactly yeah. how they looked and what happened.
2: Yeah, it's mm. funny because
1: you look so thin and gaunt throughout the process, but then kind of towards the end, yeah, you, yeah, start, you start swelling up. And
2: uh, she she had pneumonia a couple of times there, draining of the lungs, and that's that's pretty pretty vicious. Um,
1: she wasn't going through a easy time. She no. just got dealt blow after blow. Blow
2: after blow, yeah. She never, never from, from second diagnosis, she just never really got any good news and she just, yeah, her, her quality of life just deteriorated very quick. We had a, we had a pretty good time in, in Germany um, for the last probably month and that would have been the best time we had after the second diagnosis.
1: So in Mexico, what started to happen?
2: Um, She just, her body couldn't produce platelets. And, and as we know, platelets um, like you can't live without them. Uh, they gave her two uh, transfusions. She was in ICU, and and meanwhile, ICU there is is ten thousand dollars a day, oh. and she's spending days and days on it in there. And and I'm just spending, spending and selling everything I have got here, sending any money I can over there to keep the treatment going. And then I just we just sort of got to the stage and said. This is enough, like. Um,
1: well, you didn't have any more to give.
2: No, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, what's happening? So I'm like, Sasha's like, it's not it's she's she's not good. So I got the next flight to Mexico City. Um that wasn't a very nice flight over.
0: Does Easton go with you? No, I left
2: Easton, you know, I thought it was best not to take him. Uh I went over by myself and I get there and she's in ICU and uh, the doctors are like, she's basically, she's on her way out. Um, but she doesn't know. No one's told her. She thinks, she doesn't think really much at all. She doesn't really know.
1: The conversation hadn't been had with her no, yet.
2: No, So I've, I've had to get there and I've had to be the, you know, the, the strong one that hasn't been there for six weeks. And obviously when I first got there, it wasn't the first thing, the conversation I had, even though that i had that sprung on me as soon as I walked in, I hadn't even seen her.
0: Had Sasha not had that conversation because no, she was hopeful and didn't, she it. She just denial. couldn't, I don't think she, she could, couldn't,
2: couldn't yeah. do it. She knew, she knew, but she couldn't do it. Um, so, yeah, after about an hour I just said, look, you know, basically I said that what the doctors had said and she said, look, I just want to go, I want to go now. And I said, well, it's not that easy, you can't just switch, turn off the switch, but there's going to be a process and... At the time she was on nutrition and everything and we just, it was just horrible. Basically just had to cut everything off, all nutrition, all whatever was feeding her to stay alive. We just had to switch off and it took about three days and, yeah, that the was it.
0: body just shut down Yeah, itself. body just
2: shut down. Not the nicest way. I'd like to see something uh, finish up. I've. I've been here in hospital and, and watched people die of cancer and they're just asleep, whereas there it was uh, it was different. It wasn't what I would have thought it would have been like.
0: Do you think because the medical systems are different or just the Yeah, just different, yeah.
2: Um, and then from there we had to uh, figure out how we're going to get her home and I'll just go back to, to when I did tell her she wanted to get home. She really wanted to, to die at home and I just, that was probably one of the hardest things to say to her, we can't get you home. Um, so then once she passed away, we had to proceed to, to figure out how, what we're going to do to get her back and cremator was the easiest way. So that's what we did. And um, I packed up and sort of went to – where did I I went to one of the little – Cancun? Mexi- yeah, Cancun, like I was 16. <laughs> spring
1: break. <laughs> went
2: on spring break.
1: Sasha went with you. Yeah,
2: Sasha came yeah. with me. We had a little bit of a breather for – 10 Sasha days had so. been there for
1: six weeks. Yeah.
2: she'd been through a lot, and she was really good, really, really.
1: Not to mention, Sasha was also there with her dad too in Mexico. Yeah,
2: yeah, she lived with her dad when her dad was in Mexico having having his treatment. So, she gave a lot of her life up to to try and um, keep them both alive. Then came home and, yeah, had to try and you know figure out what had happened and, and process it all and sort of, you know, try and figure out how to tell Easton. He was obviously very young, so it was it was hard, really hard. He he probably – he definitely had been um, put through the process slowly. It was like a gradual separation, which I think may have worked a lot better for him.
0: Was he young enough that he doesn't really remember much mm-hmm. of it as well? well? Because
2: it was – like she was there, she wasn't there. She was in hospital for two weeks. we go and see her every day and – There was a process, you know, the 18 month process of of her actually dying was, it was a very slow um, separation. So I think it was a gradual thing for him, which probably worked the best for him. But yeah, you know, there's still times when he's asking for his mom and where's mom and I want mom and stuff like that. And that's hard. That was really hard.
1: And Jess was a very hands-on mum. Like yeah. all she ever wanted was to
2: yeah. to have a family. And yeah, that's that's right. All she ever wanted to was to have a family, and and that was her main goal in life was to be a mum. So she was very um, hands-on for sure. So in the early stages of his life, she was a, basically you could say obsessed. We've got other friends that are like that too. It's not a bad thing. Um, it was good. And then yeah.
0: So it's about five years ago now. That's sort of four. Four yeah. next Yeah,
2: month. so she, she passed away on July the 5th, 16.
0: Okay, so what does sort of the next like six to 12 months look like for you now
2: after um, that? Yeah, I'd have to proceed to get on with life, uh, which I'd like to say I'm pretty strong. I did a pretty good job, but it was hard.
0: So you'd probably been a single dad for a bit, really. Like mm. obviously, while Jess was in Mexico, so yeah. you'd already kind of got that process started.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's slowly. I, I, in saying that, Easton had a slow, slow sort of separation. I did as well. Didn't get therapy or anything straight away. I, I just cruised along for probably three or four months, and then it was recommended to me that uh, you know should should get therapy.
0: Had you ever had therapy in your life before?
2: I had gotten a lot of trouble at school and got sent to see a therapist when I was about fourteen, like a, a naughty guy therapist. Troublemaker! Yeah. I could have predicted that. Yeah. So that was probably the only therapist. I think he just gave me lollies and we had a chat. It was pretty good.
0: <laughs> I was like a therapist. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and I, I the, the therapist I've seen in Burley, his name was Johnny. He was unbelievable. He's really good. We became really good friends, and and after three three full on sessions, pretty much doing what I've just done now. You're my therapist today. Um, <laughs> Christmas lollies are giving him, <laughs> Yeah. Giving him the story and the details and, and he went through everything. After about the third session he just said, mate, well, we're just here talking now. We're not actually doing therapy. Um, so unless you want to come back, there's not really any any need to be here. So that I, I didn't go back but I felt like it served its purpose. It was good to talk to someone outside of all the people I'd um, – Always spoken to about it. Helped you process it. Yeah, and, you know, obviously they're professionals and ask you different questions and help you move on with different things you might have been getting stuck on. That was really good. Yeah, and then we just sort of proceeded with life. You know, it was just... um,
0: And what about Easton? Did he get therapy? Was he too young to have therapy? He was too
2: young. Like he was, you know, he was only in between two and three, so he was two and a half. Yeah, no, there was no therapy for him. I had um I probably turned to a lot of a lot of alcohol on the weekends and stuff. I'd get Easton looked after and I'd just get pretty well blind with a few friends and different groups of friends. I had a lot of really good friends that were always ready to drink a lot of piss for me, so that's what we did. <laughs> but it wasn't really a good thing because at the time it made you feel good, but the next days you just felt like shit. Yeah and you're ten times worse. So
0: Did that turn into like a problem that you had to like nip in the bud or you just progressively stopped drinking?
2: Just sort of just slide down. stop drinking and me probably don't go in the same sentence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean like to numb everything, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I detuned it, detuned it. Um, Yeah, and obviously my business and life had just taken a massive backseat at that stage. While this is going on, I've got a business partner who's – An ice addict which i found out and he's um run the business into the ground and i've jumped back on board and there's just bills after bill after bill and i start to try and rebuild that and got rid of him obviously is the first first part of that so there was another little issue
0: did having something else sorry Massive to focus on help to or make, yeah. make it worse. Like everything was too much, or was it like Probably I could focus my energy elsewhere?
2: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes you'd feel like fuck. What am I doing? You know. But then you got to think about it. Where's your income coming from? Like, what are you going to do? So we had a lot of equipment and a lot of good assets to. What's
0: your job? Just explain to people.
2: I got an earthworks business, a civil company, so uh, all machinery, excavators, bobcats, that sort of stuff. We had a really good list of assets, no money, and and a lot of bills. So the first thing was to get rid of the partnership and rebuild with what assets I had. And I'm still re- rebuilding now. I'm, I'm you know four years on, and it's it's uh, it's still still getting there. It's slowly getting there. Um, but yeah, so I proceeded to rebuild that, and that sort of took up a lot of my time. Most of my time between that and Easton, that was my my life, and I was just kicking on. Um, when all that's going on, and then my old mate Ash pops up.
0: <laughs> and during this period, what has been? Do you think the hardest thing before? Obviously, you met Ash, having being a single parent and not having Ethan's mother.
2: Just being lonely, you know, like just your nights during the week at home after work and stuff like that. I think a few nights a week you'd you'd go to a parent's or friend's places but then there's always those other nights where it's just you and Easton and that's probably when it hits in the most. And
1: obviously he was so young that he's going to bed at like yeah. seven-ish yeah. <laughs> and then you're sitting up alone.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you, when you're cooking for you and your son, it's sort of like I enjoy cooking and stuff like that. You're like
1: – Good cook can attest yeah. to that.
2: You know, but you, you, you do all this work and you're like, was that even worth it? Like, and just stuff like that. And you like, this is just shit. Does he, Does he even know pizza?
0: this is perfectly roasted, yeah. <laughs> this is Jew? Does he yeah, understand? there's no one to say
2: anything. And by the time you cook and clean up and put your son to bed and bath him and stuff, and, and that's your night, you know. Yeah. Done. So, yeah, that no, was definitely lonely, definitely very lonely. Um, you know, you wake up on the weekend and normally you're, you're planning your family weekend and that sort of stuff really, really sunk in hard. and made me very upset for sure.
0: Okay, well, I think that we've got like, that was a really good picture and thank you for sharing. So I knew bits and pieces of that and obviously not the whole thing. So I think it was important that we got like the full picture before yeah. we then go into you guys together and yeah. then the blending of the family. I so I think maybe we end this episode mm-hmm. here and then for the next episode we can go more into like the you guys meeting and how that process came about and the
1: highs and lows and all yes. the stuff's going to happen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Just wanted to say a big thank you to you, Eden, for doing that. I know that couldn't have been easy but um, you did so well and it is really difficult to share your story in front of not complete strangers but strangers and then share it with, um, you know, people that are listening. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to part one. Stay tuned for part two and just remember we're all flawed but we're also fucking fabulous. This podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. To stay up to date with me, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at withloveash.